Unsettled in Truth. My name is Janelle, and I'm passionate about God and His Word. Each week, we're going to explore relevant truths from the Bible and talk about how they apply to our everyday lives. We'll memorize scripture, enjoy poems, prayers, and songs, and take practical steps that bring us closer to Jesus, the author of truth. If you're ready for life transformation, then this is the place for you. Janelle here. Um, Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to um, throw out a little correction from the previous episode, episode eight, Um, just because I noticed it that I misspoke and I just wanted to kind of clarify at the in the practical application section, I mention a battle between the Israelites and the Midianites. I misspoke. It is between the Israelites and the Amalekites. So I don't know if anyone cares, but I just personally didn't want to leave that misspoken. So um, anyway, on to our regularly scheduled programming. I'm so glad you're here for another great episode of the Nestled in Truth podcast. And I'm excited about today's talk because this is a topic that I feel is very relevant to the church in America particularly, and for the current times that we're living in. And it's a message that's been very heavy on my heart for some time now. So I'm really excited to dive into it today and tackle this issue of consumerism in the church. I'm aware that the content of today's talk is very likely to be a bit prickly or unwelcome to a lot of people, but I just cannot remain silent on this subject. This is something we simply cannot continue to normalize in our churches. I feel very passionate about this topic, so if I come across a little fiery, sorry, but the Holy Spirit has really grabbed my heart on this issue. And like I said, I just, I can't ignore it or stuff it down. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be addressed. It needs to change. So here we go. (laughs) Buckle those seatbelts, folks. As I already warned, some of the things I have to say today may be hard to hear. And heads up, one of those statements is coming in hot right now. The church in America in particular has a disease, and it's called consumerism. Because so much of life in American culture is fueled by a consumeristic mentality, we've brought our consumer-mindedness even into the sacred walls of our churches. But the church is not meant to be a consumer experience. It was never meant to be that. That's exactly what we've turned it into, though. We've managed to make church like anything else in our culture. It's there to serve us, to please us, to entertain us, to meet our needs, to meet our expectations, to sate our appetites. In short, we've made church all about us. And friends, we cannot do this any longer. I don't know where we've gotten this idea that church is all about us, but it's certainly not from the Bible. And we need to turn things around quickly because what we've done to the church is damaging to our relationship with God, our relationship with other Christians, and our relationship with the people outside the walls of the church. 
as I said, contrary to popular belief, church is not a consumer experience. Crazy, I know, but it's not. We don't come to church to consume. We come to commune, to contribute, and to conform. I want to talk about these three things in a little more depth because it's really important that we grasp what church is truly meant to be and not what we've turned it into. Commune. When I say that we come to church to commune, I mean that we come to church to spend time in the presence of God and other believers. It's not the only place and time where we do that, but it's one of the most significant ones. Church is where we approach God's throne, so to speak. To commune suggests an intimate connection. When we commune with God, we have a deep, intimate connection with him. We seek to know his heart more and offer ours back to him. It's where we seek to have a greater understanding of who he is and a deeper friendship with him. David puts it beautifully in Psalm 27, 4. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. This is the kind of heart and mind we ought to have toward God when we come into his presence. Our hearts should be overflowing with gratitude, our minds overwhelmed with wonder, and our lips full of praise. The heart of one who comes to commune with God and not to simply consume aligns with David's words written in Psalm 63, 1-5. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Church is also a time and place where we spend time with other believers. We get to know one another better and grow in affection for other people who are also seeking God. It's important that we grow in our love and affection for other believers because we are family in God's kingdom. These are the people we'll spend eternity with. Communing with God and his people brings God honor and glory, and it pleases him. Yes, this time of communion with God and other believers certainly benefits us, but that isn't why we come. We come to bless God and others, which leads me to the second purpose of church that I mentioned, contribute. We come to church to contribute. Church is where we bring our offerings to God. It's a great opportunity for believers to contribute from what God has already given them back into his kingdom by giving to those in the church and in the community. We contribute our gifts, talents, time, and resources so that other believers and those in the community are built up and poured into. God longs for his people to be generous with him and with one another and to live in community. He longs for us to contribute to one another's needs and celebrate in each other's victories. Contributing and living generously with one another is a way that we, once again, honor God 
and bring him glory. It pleases him. Conform. The third reason the church exists is so that we all, as believers, will conform to the image of Christ. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, 4-5, that each of us is being built up into a spiritual house that will reflect and serve our Savior. When we come together as a body, we are able to help shape one another more and more into the likeness of our Savior. We were chosen to be conformed to his image, and as the proverb says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. God's plan from the very beginning has always been that we be conformed to his righteousness. When we are continually being conformed to the likeness of Christ by learning and growing together, this again brings God honor and glory, and it pleases him. And after all, the entire point in living the Christian life is to become like Jesus, right? That's the end goal. The end goal is to reflect our Savior in the things we think, say, and do. There's no room for consumer-mindedness in the church because each and every one of us is called to Christ-likeness. And did Jesus model a consumer mentality? Absolutely not. He modeled servanthood. Jesus's main desire was to honor, glorify, and please his Father in heaven. He was completely and totally at all times about his Father's business and nothing else. That was his mindset in all things. If anyone deserved to walk into a church, ask, what's in it for me? It would be Jesus, right? If anyone deserved to come to church to be served, it was Jesus. The perfect son of God had every right to do that, but he didn't do that, did he? He didn't demand his own way. He didn't demand that his personal tastes and preferences be catered to. He didn't seem to think about himself at all. Instead, Jesus served those around him, lowering himself to the position of a slave and using his gifts and talents to build up the people around him. He did all that he did to glorify his Father in heaven. If that's what Jesus did, and he's the Son of God, then who are we to come into God's house with a mentality that says, serve me? Who are we to come into God's throne room and say, what's in it for me? Instead of approaching church from a mindset that asks, what's in it for me? We ought to adopt the mindset of Christ, which asks, what can I offer? I'm going to say it again. Church is not a consumer experience. Church isn't about us. It's about God. It's about an opportunity to glorify and serve God. It's about what we can offer to him out of the love in our hearts. Yes, there are benefits that we receive in coming to God's house and participating in these things, but that's secondary. Worshiping God, blessing God, offering all we have to him, and growing in our knowledge of him so that we can walk more closely with him is why we come to church. So if we're called to have the mindset of Christ and not a consumer mentality, what exactly does that look like? How do we adopt a Christ-like mindset at church specifically? Well, as I said before, it starts when we approach church with a mindset that says, what can I offer 
rather than what's in it for me. It all begins at that place because our attitude matters. It impacts what we say and do. So the very first thing we need to do is to shift our focus from ourselves to God. We can't adopt a mindset that doesn't say what's in it for me when we come in automatically with the focus on ourselves. We need to remember whose house and whose presence we are coming into. We need to remember that God is not there to serve us, but that we are there to serve him. When we come to church with a mindset that's focused on ourselves, this is going to affect what comes next. The same can be said of us if we come with a mindset that is set on God. When we come into God's house with hearts and minds that are focused on him, it's going to change the rest of the experience. As I said before, we've adopted the consumer mentality in really every area of our lives, and it's spilled over into the spiritual realm as well. But this is a dangerous way to approach our faith because we can't afford to make our faith all about us. If we do, we're missing the point. Somehow or other, we've managed to adopt this idea that faith in Jesus is about us and that God is somehow our servant rather than the other way around. Just because Jesus chose to humble himself and take the position of a servant to show us his love and to make a way for us to be redeemed does not mean that he ought to be our servant or that we somehow deserve what he did for us. As much as God loves us, and he does, the whole story of Jesus taking our place on the cross and dying for our redemption is still not about us. Crazy, I know, but the whole thing in its entirety is about God. It's all about him. It all points to his greatness. It's all intended to bring him glory. So we need to stop making faith in the church all about us. It's about God and it always will be. So this is the first step we need to take when we're approaching church. Put our focus on God and not ourselves. The second thing is to then put our focus on our fellow believers and churchgoers. Remember what Jesus told us were the two most important commandments to love God with all we have and all we are and to what? Love our neighbor as ourselves, right? Once again, we're not putting the focus back on ourselves, but we're directing it toward loving the other people in the congregation in the same way we would love ourselves. And we can't love the people um, around us when we're demanding our own way, when we're criticizing every little thing, when we're looking down on someone, when we're unwilling to serve, when we're unwilling to give, when we're gossiping. We are all called to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are called to bear one another's burdens, to weep when they weep and rejoice when they rejoice. We are called to serve one another in love, to build one another up, to spur one another on to good deeds. In order to love other believers well, we need to be willing to put our demands and preferences aside and defer to the other person. We need to be willing to put their needs ahead of our own at times. We need to be willing to give of our time, talents, and resources to pour into others, not hoard what we have for ourselves. 
The same goes for loving the people outside of the church walls. We must be willing to view others as important, valued, and worth our efforts. We need to look for opportunities to love others by being generous, by extending a friendly hand, by being a listening ear, by taking time to help or encourage someone who needs it. We can't do this, though, if we're still adopting that consumer mentality. We can only do it by adopting a Christ-like mindset. The third thing that we must do is to listen for the promptings of God's Spirit. This is the time that we turn our thoughts a little inward. Only after we've put our focus on God first, then turned it toward our fellow believers, can we then take the time to be a little introspective. This is when we listen for the things that God's Spirit is speaking to us, where we listen for the things He's pointing out in our lives that need to change, the things He's calling us to do. This is where we partner with God in the act of conforming to his likeness. Because if we come to church and we listen to the message, but we never allow it to change us and we never put it into practice, what are we accomplishing? As we walk with the Lord, we are going to discover that there is always more conforming for us to do. There's always going to be room for us to grow in the character of Christ. If we're listening God will always have more areas in our hearts that he will point out to us that still need the work of his Holy Spirit to transform. And this is a part that we can't ignore. To be Christ-like means we have to conform to his likeness, right? And we can do that in part by putting our focus on God and serving others, but it doesn't end there. We have to be willing to submit to the Holy Spirit and what he speaks to us through his word through prayer, through conversations with others, through music, and anything else that goes on in a typical worship service. We have to be willing to seek his presence during the week and not just on Sundays. The more we listen to the Spirit's voice in our lives, the more Christ-like we will become, and this consumeristic mentality will vanish. As I was thinking about what the memory verse should be for this week, I felt drawn to Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, which says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I know it's pretty long, but number one, I believe in you. And number two, this is too important for us to not grasp and remember. Each person in the body of Christ is needed. Each person has their own unique gifting that they bring to the equation. And when each person is doing their part, this is how the body of Christ grows and matures. This is how we are effective in our communities and in our world. And conversely, when we neglect to do the things that God has created us to do, we rob the church and the world outside of it of an essential piece of God's plan and purpose. Friend, how are you sensing God calling you to commune with him and other believers? How are you sensing he's calling you to conform to his image? How has he wired you? 
What abilities and resources has he given you to contribute to his kingdom? The practical application this week is exactly what you might think it would be. We're going to start adopting this Christ-like mindset and resist the urge to approach church and faith with a consumer mentality. So the first thing is, when we're on our way to church this week, we're not going to fill our heads with all the things we have to do this week, with all the things we have to do later that afternoon, or anything else. We're going to pray that God would set our hearts and minds on him and prepare us for what he wants to do in the service. We might even go the extra mile and pray for our pastors and leaders as they're being faithful to do their part. We're going to walk into that sanctuary, remembering whose throne room we're entering, fixing our eyes on him with a heart and mind that says, God, today I'm coming here into your presence to bless you, to make you smile, to thank you, to praise you, to simply enjoy being with you. And then we're going to actually let the words of the songs we're singing sink in as we sing them. We're going to think about who God is and what he's done as we sing. We're going to engage in prayer, remembering we're bringing the needs of ourselves and our church family and our community to the God for whom all things are possible. We're going to listen to the sermon with a heart that's anxious and ready to hear what God wants to say. We're going to encourage someone, say a kind word, make them feel seen and welcomed, and then we're going to go home. And I want us to think about how this intentional mindset shift as we went to church this week, how it maybe changed things, how maybe we felt different or experienced something different. And then we're going to plan on doing the same thing the next week and the next. But it's not going to stop there, friends. I want you to also consider your gifts, your talents, your passions, your resources that God has given you specifically. I want you to spend some time in prayer, listening for his promptings, asking him where he would have you plug in and serve. And then whatever he tells you, do it. And don't wait. Get plugged in immediately. Start doing what God made you to do because you're needed in the body of Christ. If you're there, you're needed for certain things, whatever those things are. And those things might not just be things that you do at church. They can be things you do outside of that space as well. But the point is to get plugged in, to start serving, to contribute. So I've got some questions I want you to think through this week. And you can get something ready to jot these down so you can come back to them. But here they are. Have you been coming to church as a consumer or bystander rather than an active participant? Why is that? What might happen if you made a conscious decision that church will be about God and not anything else? And then the second group of questions is, how are you currently communing with God and other believers? Or are you at all? How are you contributing to God's kingdom? Or aren't you? How are you conforming to Christ's likeness? Or is that not really a priority for you? Remember, friend, church is about honoring, glorifying, and pleasing our Father in heaven. May we never lose sight of that, 
by making church about our personal preferences or demands. May we never make church and faith all about us, but rather make it about knowing God more fully, loving Him more deeply, walking with Him more closely, and using what we have to do the things God has made us to do, which will build up others and help them to grow in all these same areas. Friend, I'm so glad you took the time to be with me today. I know this was a bit hard-hitting, but we just can't afford to let this consumeristic mentality live in the church anymore. It's too damaging. It's the opposite of what Jesus calls us to. It's the opposite of the example he left us. And if we continue to allow this kind of mindset to drive the church, we can expect to see the church die out. A building full of people who are centered on themselves and not on God are not going to be effective in the world. They're not going to show the radical love of Jesus that needs to be shown to the world. They're not going to model for those on the outside what a loving community of believers is supposed to look like. All they're going to see is a social club. A social club that operates much like any other social club in our society, except that it's full of hypocrites who claim one thing but live another. We can't afford to be those people. We need to be people who live out what we believe. So I hope you're pumped up. I hope you're excited to go to church this week with a fresh mindset and that you're excited to simply love on God and make him smile. I hope you'll be back next week because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. It's going to be such a great talk. We don't have to be weirded out by the Holy Spirit, but we can embrace who he is and what he does in our lives. All right, friends, have a great week. Let's work on adopting that mindset of Christ this week, and we'll talk again soon. Bye.